Specialty Crime. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, July is almost here, and that means it is that time again, folks. If you want to dominate your fantasy football leagues in 2017, the time to start studying is now. And we here at Sports Crunch intend to help you get the upper edge on the competition with our annual fantasy football preview series. We begin that series today with a look at arguably the most important position in the fantasy football game, running back. It is a proven fact that the deeper you are at running back, the greater your odds are of taking home the league championship. And to help us break down the 2017 fantasy football running back landscape, it is a pleasure to have on the show for the very first time one of the best fantasy football analysts out there, Ari Engel. Ari writes for the renowned fantasy football website, footballguys.com, a source that I highly recommend to you. We've had a lot of their writers on the show in the past. It is if one of the best, if not the best, fantasy football resources out there. So check it when you're studying, folks. Ari also hosts his own podcast, the Zigzag Fantasy Podcast, and is a member of the prestigious Fantasy Sports Writers Association. It's a pleasure to have you here, Ari. How are you doing? Great. It's great to be here. Uh, I love talking fantasy football this time of year. It seems like, you know, just a few years ago, things weren't really kick off till much closer to the season. And now it's it's a year long thing. So it's almost like I'm ready for the season to start tomorrow and we still have about two months. I feel the same way, Ari. And uh, let's get down to business and start talking some running backs and uh, the two, the two running backs and players overall going first overall in fantasy mock drafts are either Le'Veon Bell or David Johnson. Currently, according to your rankings, you have Johnson ahead of Le'Veon Bell, and there are reasons for that. However, Roto World's Evan Silva, another top-notch fantasy football analyst, he tweeted last week some really good reasons why Le'Veon Bell should be the first one of the two selected. He has better offensive line play and continuity with all five starters back. You have Martavis Bryant returning to the Steelers lineup, which will open up the running game even more for him because they'll have to take more defenders out of the box. Uh, The Steelers obviously have a higher scoring offense, and also Le'Veon Bell's fantasy points per game average is greater than that of David Johnson's. Based on that evidence, I'd clearly go Le'Veon Bell if I had the first overall pick. Here is your chance to change my mind. Why should people draft David Johnson ahead of Le'Veon Bell? Well, you know, I like to do tier rankings more than just straight up rankings. Um, and, and you can find that on football guys, because I believe that it's really comes down to preference when you're within a tier. And I think that's really important um, because to be honest, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and then probably a slight step down, but above a lot of the other guys is Ezekiel Elliott. So, you know, what Evan says is right. And I'm playing a ton of MFL tens right now. And uh, I've taken Le'Veon Bell with the first pick and I've taken David Johnson. The reason I have Johnson first is, you know, he is the foundation of that offense. They do not have legitimate outside receiving threats. John Brown is small. JJ Nelson is small. Both guys, uh, you know, aren't dominant possession receivers. They do have Larry Fitzgerald who uh, plays out of the slot, who is a little bit older and, and he's a great possession guy, but he is in the slot. And then you have no real tight end and Arians doesn't really love to use a tight end. So David Johnson is just an absolute beast of a workhorse. And, uh, he's going to get the ball every game through the air on the ground, just like Le'Veon Bell. I think what may differentiate it for some people is just the scare that Le'Veon Bell has gotten dinged up. Um, the fast past few seasons, um, there are potential, uh, you know, suspension concerns, although it doesn't look like this year, that will be the case. So, you know, it's really pick your poison. Both guys are going to be the foundation of their offense. David Johnson, the absolute foundation and Le'Veon Bell utilized 
every single day. Um, and, you know, Le'Veon Bell, they did draft a, a, a competent rookie in Connor. So they have someone there. David Johnson, honestly, there's no one that's going to even spell the guy. I guess the, maybe the only reason for him would be overuse, but he held up uh, with it last year. And there's a mentality that goes to that. Uh, you know, Greg Cozell, the uh, noted analyst, always talks about that mentality. Guys like DeMarco Murray have it. So, you know, it's really pick your poison. So in MFL 10s, I've been flipping them too. And I think if you're playing in multiple leagues and you have the opportunity to get either guy, I say go for it. You know, maybe take one in one league and the other in the other. I completely agree with that. Uh, there are definitely reasons to pick either of them with the first overall selection. You cannot go wrong with either of them. And I definitely um, uh, respect and prefer, dare I say, your your tier rankings instead of, uh, ge- instead of uh, general rankings because that is a better way for all of you to stay organized uh, when you uh, make your picks Cub draft time. And uh, you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. He might be a step below those other two, but he's still in that first tier, in my opinion. But I do have some concerns about Ezekiel Elliott this year, mainly because the Cowboys have two new starters on their offensive line. Yes, for the record, they still have the best offensive line in football because they returned the three All-Pros who are as young and as good as ever. Uh, Tyron Smith left tackle, Zach Brown right guard, and Travis Frederick at center. But they lost uh, Ronald Leary in free agency to the uh, Denver Broncos, and uh, they're looking to replace him with uh, either Jonathan Cooper, who's been a first-round bust, or Chaz Green, who will be an upgrade over Leary in terms of pass protection, but in terms of run blocking, he's going to be a downgrade. And Lyle Collins, they intend to start him at right tackle, even though Lyle Collins is a heck of an athlete. I, th- I personally think he's better at guard. And uh, right tackle is a position that's going to be foreign to him. So even though the Cowboys do have the best offensive line in football, in my humble opinion, uh, there's some some questions there that uh, are a little worrisome when it comes to the running game. And how much, if at all, should we temper our 2017 expectations for Ezekiel Elliott, given the fact that the Cowboys have to replace um, Ronald Leary and Doug Free on the offensive line? I was actually just tweeting about that today. Uh, I think it's a slight concern. And for those people that have maybe the third draft slot, they may want to go with someone like Antonio Brown in that slot because there's two things with offensive line. You can grade players. And as you mentioned, you know, they're lost two guys. And on paper, it is, uh, you know, a downgrade. The other thing is continuity of line, which is something that is almost bigger than just individual grade, how long people are playing together. Now, still retaining three guys, that's awesome, that's huge, that provides a good amount of continuity. But losing two guys, that's two new guys you got to work in. So they are not necessarily the dominant line they were last year. And, you know, there's other lines that potentially the, the Browns upgraded their line. Um, the Eagles, you know, have a solid line, the Steelers, as we were talking about before. So I I don't know if the Dallas Cowboys are by far and away the best offensive line, but they're still a top 10 unit at worst, if not a top one or two unit. So, um, it just compares to the other two guys, David Johnson and and Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, I think Zeke just isn't the same type of player as them. Um, I think that, uh, it, it, it's it's you're not going to get necessarily the most as many explosive plays. And as a pass catcher, they don't utilize them in that area of the game like they do Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. That could change this year. Once again, Ezekiel a safe pick, but uh, it's something a pause for concern for those people that may expect in the production of last year. It will be good, but it may be a slight notch lower. Uh, completely agree. And uh, let's wrap up uh, our uh, tier talk by uh 
uh, talking about uh, the running backs outside of the first tier. And uh, you and I'm sure many others obviously have only Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Ezekiel Elliott as your first tier running backs, the only guys in that first tier. Which running backs outside of tier one, if any, are worth a first round selection in your view? I uh, let me think. So we got. Let me just pull up my tiers list. Going off memory, we got Lashawn McCoy, Melvin Gordon, Jay Jai. I think all three of those guys are first round picks this year. Um, I think when you're dealing with the current landscape, there's a lot of depth at wide receiver, and doing a lot of early drafts, you can get great value at the position if you wait to second, third, fourth round. So I have no problem taking any of those guys just because they're all going to be great foundations of their offense. So, uh, you know, the Bills, one of the best offensive lines as well, and they are absolutely committed to running the ball. And, and McCoy is just 38, 28 years old. So it seems like he's been around the league forever, but he finished second in football outsiders rankings. Uh, and he, he, um, you know, last year averaged 5.4 yards per carry, scored 14 touchdowns, and Mike Gillisley, who had nine other touchdowns, is gone. So there's nothing wrong with McCoy, and to be honest, all three of these guys could finish as well as Ezekiel Elliott, if not better. Oh, I completely agree, and the guy I especially agree on is Melvin Gordon. I really love uh, the offense the Chargers are going to have for him this year with, uh, yes, they kept Ken Wisenhut, but bringing in Anthony Lynn as the head coach, who was the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator these past several years where he got LaShawn McCoy's career uh, back on track. Uh, uh, Lynn, a former running back himself, he knows how to how to get a good ground game going. And with the upgrades they made on the interior offensive line in the draft, in their run blocking, especially with Forrest Slamp and Dan Feeney, I think Melvin Gordon um, do you think it's out of the question that Melvin Gordon could be a top two fantasy running back in total points scored this year? He could easily be, especially because they didn't sign Danny Woodhead. They don't really have any uh, running back on the roster right now that is a threat to his carries in either the run game or the pass game. So Melvin Gordon looks like he's locked and loaded for an every down roll, and he's going to be tough to bring off the field. Um, so there is no reason he can't get that sort of volume uh, to finish in the top, you know, right. Once again, I think David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell are pretty safe going to be in the top two, but I think Melvin Gordon could finish as well as Ezekiel Elliott with ease. That wouldn't shock me either. And, uh, when it comes to drafting well in fantasy football, value is the name of the game. As they say, the team that gets the best value out of their picks is more likely to be successful than the teams that do not. In your judgment, which running backs are the most overvalued and which are the most undervalued at this moment? Of all the running backs, uh, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, it depends what round and, and where you're grabbing guys. Right now, um, I think some, some decent values are guys like DeMarco Murray, who you can get in the second round, Jordan Howard, who you can get in the second round, who uh, you know I think are great values there. Um, some overvalued guys, I think Todd Gurley, who's going late second into the third. I still worry about that team. They did upgrade their offensive line some, their left tackle, obviously, and they now have one of the top two left tackles in the league. But that team still is going to struggle a lot, and I worry about having Todd Gurley on my team. Last year, he was a very—the good thing with him is he has a decent pedestrian RB2 floor. He actually finished— as an RB2 almost every week, but he rarely had RB1 weeks, which is the downside of him. Um, other guys I think that you got to be scared of a little bit is CJ Anderson. Uh, their offensive line is atrocious. They are changing, they're changing the run scheme. 
Uh, can he run that power gap scheme as opposed to the outside zone? Uh, will it be something to see? And, uh, you know, obviously there's Jamal Charles. We don't know his health yet. If he's not healthy, I think I'd feel much more confident about C.J. Anderson. If he is healthy, there's a chance Charles can just run away with it. So, it, you know, it's going to be something to watch in training camp. And it's a, something similar with Spencer Ware. I wouldn't say those guys are overrated where they're going, but, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt obviously is a great football player. I love watching his tape in college. So that's another guy you just got to kind of be, uh, you know, careful of and see what happens. I think probably the most overdrafted guy for me at the moment is probably Christian McCaffrey. In Dynasty, I love the guy. I think he's super talented. He's fun to watch. He's 5'11", 202 pounds, 448 Jets. Um, he's almost as good as a receiver as any receiver complain in the slot these days. And, you know, in training camp, they've been having him line up there a ton, but the great cam Newton makeover, which is taking him from a quarterback that runs anytime the pocket break, the pocket breaks down to a passing guy. It's going to take time. Cam Newton isn't even throwing yet. I think he threw a pass in uh, his locker room yesterday for the first time. So it's not going to be easy, that transition. And when people are taking McCaffrey in the third round, I think it's just a little too rich for me at the moment. John Stewart's still there near the goal line. It's either going to be John Stewart, the fullback, or Cam Newton. So I think there's a lot of capped upside with McCaffrey right now. But Dynasty, I think I like him a lot. Yes, and th- with you mentioning guys like uh, Christian McCaffrey and Kareem Hunt, that uh, leads me to another question. Uh, obviously, a lot of talented running backs came into this league uh, via the draft uh, this year. And you mentioned uh, Christian McCaffrey being uh, uh, a little bit overvalued, which uh, definitely makes sense given uh, uh, what they're going to ask him to do uh, this season. And you mentioned Kareem Hunt, who could be terrific value in the later rounds given Spencer Ware's health issues. And I was a big Kareem Hunt fan myself. Uh, watched some tape of his as early as 2015, and I was like, whoa, he looks uh, compact and, and small, but he runs like he's uh, Jerome Bettis in a way, dare I say. So, well, you get the picture. Uh, runs bigger than his size. Uh, I, I've, I've always been a big Kareem Hunt fan. But the question is, um, what? which of these other rookie running backs are worth a stab, and where are they worth a stab? You know, Kareem Hunt, I think at his ADP right now, is not a bad grab. Um, he's going all the way in the, you know, the ninth round around. So if, if you know, you've waited and playing some zero RB and – and you want to take a stab on a guy, I think he's not a bad player to take. Um, although there's a lot of value right there around him. There's guys like Jeremy Macklin. There's a lot of quarterbacks like Marcus Mariota and Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, Eric Decker. There's, there's John Brown. There's a lot of guys around them. So I haven't really been taking a lot of shares of him just because of that. But And, and you know, out of the, the Kansas City, they've been saying that this is Spencer Ware's backfield to lose. And uh, so it's, once again, he, he's in that realm of we're going to have to see what happens in training camp. Guys that are a little bit later than that, though, guys like Joe Williams on the 49ers, um, Shanahan talked him up. He's not very high on Carlos Hyde, even though I think Hyde's a great running back. So I think we could see a lot of, uh, of Joe Williams. Um, some other later guys that uh, could be okay, you know, the, the Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, that's going to be something interesting to watch for the, the Packers. You know, Ty Montgomery, I think he has a role, especially a PPR role. But there was times last season where, you know, he's a convert from the wide receiver to the running back position. 
recently. And there were times where Aaron Rodgers was just telling him to get off the field because he was missing assignments, wasn't picking up uh, proper uh, uh, blitzes, and and he got frustrated with them. So I think both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones are intriguing, especially because you can get them really late. Uh, I would probably lean there's a big debate going on. I know Evan Silver loves Aaron Jones. Matt Waldman from Football Guys, who I trust a lot in uh, talent evaluation, loves Jamal Williams, who I think is uh, just a bigger guy and a guy that they kind of would love to have that can kill some clock so Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to throw the ball um, as much as, as he has been. So, you know, there's, there, there's guys like that who I think are worth targeting in later rounds as opposed to uh, a guy like Delvin Cook, who people are taking earlier, who moves into a very murky situation with a very bad offensive line. Yes, and another running back that uh, is moving into a, a similar situation as David Cook is Leonard Fournette, the number four overall pick of the 2017 NFL draft who went to the Jaguars. And not only does he have a suspect offensive line in front of him, uh, Brandon Albert obviously getting old Cam Robinson, a rookie, and the rest uh, uh, very, very below average. Uh, you also have Blake Bortles, who is headed on the fast track towards first-round quarterback bust. And uh, and they had no respect for Blake Bortles at all, that they constantly had eight men in the box all the time to stop the run, whoever it is. And if Bortles doesn't make any progressions, even as freakishly athletic and talented as Fournette is, I think he's in big trouble if Bortles doesn't make even a slight improvement because uh, uh, they'll be, he's going to be facing eight-man boxes all day. So uh, should people also uh, be cautious about drafting Leonard Fournette in the top uh, three to four to five rounds? Right now in MFL 10s, he's going right at the end of the second. Sometimes you can get him in the third. So he's going pretty high right now. Uh, I don't mind Leonard Fournette amongst these running backs just because when you spend the fourth, ra- fourth pick out of a draft on a guy, I think you intend to use him. Um, they obviously have Chris Ivory. They have TJ Yeldon. I think Yeldon for me is probably, uh, you know, he, he can kind of take some of the passing game away from Fournette, which may lower some of the PPR value, but they've been talking Fournette up and I think they want him to be the guy. And I clearly they don't want Blake Bortles to be the guy. And I don't think they want to, you know, have Bortles throwing the ball around the whole time. I think their plan is to play very good defense, not get down in fourth quarter where they have to play catch up and all the garbage time that has helped Bortles value the last few years. I think they want to play good defense, slow the game down, and let Fournette run the ball a lot. You know, their offensive line, Brandon Elbert comes over. Uh, He was banged up last year. I think that at least solidifies a left tackle position um, if he actually gets into camp and and doesn't hold out. Uh, You know, they have an all right, you know, they have a great center in Brandon Linder. uh, You know, as you mentioned, a little bit older pieces. But I think they they could have a decent line. And they do have outside weapons in Allen Robinson and Marquise Lee and Allen Hearns which can at least keep defenses somewhat on uh, um, it. So I don't mind Fournette. I think if you're going to take a stab in a guy in fantasy, volume is king. And uh, they, they're telling you that they want to run the ball. So I think he's at least going to get the opportunity. Once again, it just comes down to, to draft capital. I think I'd rather have him in the third than the second. That's a very good point. Volume is definitely a key variable you should consider, not just when drafting running backs, but when drafting wide receivers and quarterbacks as well, folks, tight ends as well. 
and uh, Fournette for sure is going to get a lot of carries because, like uh, you said, they definitely want to take the ball out of Blake Bortles' hands and not make him throw the ball 35 to 40 times a game because if he has to do that, they're in trouble. And uh, and they're going to, as Sigmund Bloom says, a grandfather football approach this year, and uh, which means just run the ball, play good defense, and uh, that would that is a reason now I, that I see that Leonard Fournette has value uh, in round three, if not late. Uh, round two. And every year in fantasy, you have players that make gigantic leaps and players that make gigantic regressions. Which running back do you expect the biggest leap from this season and which running back do you expect the biggest regression from? I think a lot of people have been talking about him. I think Isaiah Crowell has a really good shot to jump up to that RB1 tier. Um, and and every well that RB one kind of level every week just because they have an amazing offensive line. Uh, Hugh Jackson has stated this year that they abandoned the uh, the run too soon. Even when they were behind, he said they should have kept running the ball. So uh, I think Crowell has a really good chance to uh, you know really be an impactful RB one, and he's going you know in third fourth round right now. So I think it's not a huge jump, but I think he has the chance to be. Uh, a great RB1 for a lot of teams. Um, Amir Abdullah, he's another guy who we haven't seen much from, but he has an insane spark score. He's an incredible athlete. I don't think he's going to get 300 rush attempts this year, but I think he can easily get 250 to possibly 300 touches uh, in the pass game and the run game. Um, They definitely want to run the ball more, and they were very ineffective last year. They did upgrade their offensive line as well, although they just did lose their left tackle, unfortunately. Um, I think we're going to see the return of Danny Woodhead to PPR relevance. Uh, He's entering his age 32 season, so he is getting up there in age, but all signs from OTA so far point to him, you know, playing really well and looking like the same guy he was. So I think those are a few guys who have kind of were in the periphery last year who have a chance to really shine this year. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. There, you know, if teams like Seattle, I think if Eddie Lacy, you know, can't control the weight and Thomas Rawls gets injured as usual, you can see a guy like C.J. Procise, if he has a chance to be their loop back, could actually explode because uh, he looked great doing it last year. And he's, a, I think... Kind of like hamstrung by the other two guys at the moment. But right now, I don't think he has tremendous value. But I think if he gets to, shot, he could be a great guy. I think the same with Jonathan Williams on the Buffalo Bills. I, you know, Gillisley is out of town, so he had nine touchdowns last year. So I think Jonathan Williams is an underrated talent to score five plus touchdowns with McCoy healthy. And if McCoy goes down, the Bills are going to be still a run-heavy offense. So I think Jonathan Williams has an excellent chance to be a season winner for teams. So even on teams where you don't have LaShawn McCoy, I think a guy like Jonathan Williams makes for an excellent late-round stab. He is Ari Engel, ladies and gentlemen, footballguys.com. You can follow him on Twitter at FFESQ. Ari, we thank you once again so much for donating your time and your knowledge to this program. But before we go, uh, we have just one more question for you. Uh, I usually, when I prepare with this one league, I'm in with my dad, a big money league, by the way. Um, we go through the people position by position, team by team. And there's always like one or two teams at each position. We, tr- we uh, I say, avoid altogether. Which team's running backs would you stay away from altogether in the draft, if any? 
I'm not touching the Jets, even though the opportunity may be there, just because I think that team's such a dumpster fire. I know guys are on Bilal Powell. Uh, I'm just staying away from anybody that plays on the Jets this year because I just think they're going to be horrible, and I'd rather own players on good teams. Uh, the Jets are definitely a candidate for, for that list. And back to what you said about the Broncos earlier, and being a Broncos fan, I definitely know uh, what they're going to do. Their offensive line was atrocious last year, and they decided to blow it up, and it'll inevitably get worse before it gets better. And given the long jab they have at running back with C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker, and Jamal Charles, if he's healthy, if he, he healthy enough to make the team. And don't forget, they drafted D'Angelo Henderson out of Coastal Carolina, who is yep. a C.J. Anderson clone and whose tape I really, really loved. And he's an ideal Mike McCoy-type running back. So uh, I would recommend staying away from the Broncos running backs as well, um, uh, for those of you at I'm home. with you on that. I, you know what I was going to say? If you give me a second one, I'm, I would say the Denver Broncos, just because of exactly what you laid out there, I think is just... It's too murky of a situation, really bad offensive line. Quarterback is suspect, which means you might not get your running backs in the position you want them to be in. So I agree with you there. I think those two are the teams I'm avoiding for the most part. Thank you very much, Ari. And that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. But we plan to be back tomorrow with Bob Cadota, Seahawks beat writer of the Seattle Times, to talk all things Seahawks, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Ari Engel, our producer Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromelo saying so long and, of course, stay awesome.